Amen. Isaiah chapter 40, and we're going to begin reading uh, with verse 27. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 27. Just a few short verses of scripture, and then you can be seated. Amen. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 27 says, Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel? My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Amen. Let's set our Bibles aside and let's pray and ask the Lord if he would so graciously speak to us today. Amen. God, we thank you for the word of the Lord. We thank you for those uh, of our brothers and sisters, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you for the family of God today. Thank you for your presence, your spirit. We're praying today, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. You would speak to our lives today. Let your will be accomplished, Father. We'll give you glory and honor. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. My title this morning I'm going to talk to you about is those four words. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. To wait in the, he- in the original Hebrew language means to await with expectation. To await with expectation. Waiting is often thought of in terms of sitting down in a chair doing absolutely nothing while you wait for something to happen. But such is not the case, amen, with waiting upon the Lord. It is to look to something, uh, to await for something with expectation. Uh, but it is also to work while you wait. You've heard the phrase and uh, you've no doubt uh, spoke to this individual Everybody's had them as they've gone out to eat. They've had a waiter wait upon them. But the waiter doesn't sit there doing nothing as it waits upon you. But the waiter is serving. The waiter is looking. The waiter is getting involved. The waiter is staying busy. And the waiter is waiting. And they are looking to you with expectation. When are you going to call me over? They're going to come check on you. Waiting is, is, has a lot of action involved with it. Uh, And so waiting upon the Lord uh, begins to take on a completely different understanding when you look at it in that particular context and not in the, uh, the context of simply sitting down, doing nothing, waiting for something to happen, but it is getting involved. Amen. When I uh, when I made the transition to First Church San Jose and, and I remember my first uh, service there and following service at fellowship in the gymnasium, 
And I, it was my first time there as, as a saint of the church. And I remember seeing the, the brothers of the church begin as they finished fellowship, pick up the chairs and stack them. I didn't wait for somebody to, to tell me, would you please help us? Would you uh, sign up for ministries this Sunday, Brother Nate? But waiting involved serving, amen, and getting involved in what God was already doing. Yeah. Hallelujah. Today you may be waiting upon the Lord, but don't sit back and do absolutely nothing. Get involved in what is already happening in the church. Get involved in what is already happening in the church. Hallelujah. The Bible says that there is, in verse number 28, there is no searching of his understanding. Uh, the, the, the writer begins to talk to the people of God who were experiencing captivity and perhaps wondering when God was going to turn things around for them. Hallelujah. And the, the prophet, through the, through the pen of the prophet Isaiah, he begins to write to the people, uh, Why do you say, Jacob, and Israel, why do you speak that my way is hid from the Lord? Or in other words, my current condition, the state in which I am, uh, God is oblivious to it. Hallelujah. But in fact, uh, uh, the writer says that, Don't you know and haven't you heard that the Lord... The everlasting God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. In other words, he begins to let them know that the God of heaven, the God of earth, hallelujah, he is the creator of the ends of the earth. He is the everlasting God. And in case you and I forget, amen, the kind of God that we're serving, he's still a God that is in charge over everything. He is still the one that spoke the worlds into existence. He is still the one that breathed life into the nostrils of man. And he became a living soul. Amen. The God that oftentimes we tend to question and wonder if he knows what's going on and what's happening in our lives. He is still the God that created all of heaven and all of earth today. Verse number 27 Amen. As he begins to say, O Jacob, uh, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord and my judgment is passed over from my God. Verse 27 was echoing the sentiment of God's people who felt that God was unaware of their state or condition. I will be honest with you and tell you, there have been times that I have thought this same thing. God, do you know what I'm going through? Do you know what I'm dealing with today? And perhaps if you're honest as well, you'll begin to say the same thing. There was, there was times in my life when I wondered if God saw me where I was in my valley of despair and of my valley of discouragement. And when they said that their judgment was passed over, it was to say that God had disregarded their cause and that He did not come forth to deliver them from their oppressions and their trials. So in other words, you have the people of God that are dealing with situations and issues in life and they're wondering, Amen, does God know where I'm at today? And does God, does He still remember my cause? Does He still remember that He saved me to use me, to anoint me for ministry and to do something for Him? Hallelujah. And then verse number 28 teaches us, Amen, 
that, the, that thinking that one can hide from God is foolishness. And the phrase, hast thou not known, refers to the fact that the Jewish people, they had had an abundant opportunity of learning in their history and from their forefathers the true character of God and His entire ability to save them. He speaks to the people. He says, Hast thou not known? Amen. You've got a rich heritage. You've got a rich history of God performing miracle after miracle after miracle in your life. If you're here today and you're wondering, does God still have the ability to touch my life. I want you to take a moment and reflect back on all of the things that God's done for you. Because the Bible says God has not changed. He's still the same God yesterday and today and forever. He changes not. Neither is weary. There is no searching of His understanding. This people of all people, the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, had a rich heritage of God doing great exploits in front of their eyes. If they wanted to know if God was still powerful, all they had to do was ask grandpa or great-grandpa or their mother or father and say, uh, is there a God that cares about us? And they would begin to tell them, well, there was a time uh, down through the, the, the pages of history when, when God delivered us from Egyptian bondage and God brought the ten plagues upon the land of Egypt and preserved us in the land of Goshen. Amen. And God used the man Moses to, to lead us out from Egyptian bondage into a, a place of a, a promise that He would uh, fulfill His promise to us. And there were times throughout the wilderness experience that we hungered and He rained down manna from heaven. There was other times when quail began to fall to the ground. There were times when water began to come from the rock. And they would say, well, God is, he, he took care of them way back then, but can He take care of us now? Well, as we continue to the promised land, amen, we face insurmountable obstacles. We were faced with an, a land filled with giants. Amen. We were faced with the walled city of Jericho. And we saw one after the other God break down the inner insurmountable obstacles. Let me tell you, there is an exhaustible power when you tap into the power of God. Hallelujah. We could be here all day talking about the things that God has done in our lives and in our church. I remember when God visited me in that lonely night of despair. I remember when God spoke to me. I remember when I saw angels of the Lord feel in my bedroom. I remember seeing God, amen, work in my family. I remember seeing the miracles. I remember seeing the, the man that frets out in jail. God save him and wash him. I remember seeing him leap with joy with the pureness of a child because God made all things new. We could be here all day talking about it. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the Lord, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. You say, well, I'm tired. I'm tired too. But God doesn't ever get tired. God doesn't get tired. He fainteth not, neither is weary. 
No people had so much light on this subject than the people of Israel, the Hebrews. And now that they were in trial, they ought to recall their former knowledge of the character of God and remember his dealings of faithfulness with them and with their fathers. Here we are today on this Sunday morning. Amen. And I want you to pause and reflect for a few moments on all of the things that God's done in your life. Amen. So maybe you're in a situation or time in your life but when you don't see all of the activity of God and you don't see all the things that God's doing, it doesn't mean that God has stopped being in charge. It doesn't mean that God has gone back on His Word. Amen. It sometimes it just simply means to wait upon the Lord. Don't get ahead of God. Don't step out in front of the leader. Don't step out in front of your God today. People, amen, get themselves in a quandary. They get themselves in trouble in, in, in precarious situations when they're, uh, they, they, they think and they, they believe that God is not moving. So therefore, I'll get in front of God. I've seen it before with, with young people. And as they begin to get a little bit older, and sometimes single ladies or single young men, and they're wondering, man, I don't know if I'm ever going to find the right one for my life. So I'll just pick this one from the world that loves me, that's showing me attention. And they end up, amen, in illicit relationships and and heartache and pain because they did not wait for the timing of God to unfold in their lives. And they said, I'm going to get ahead of God. Amen. Hear me today, young people and middle-aged people and elderly people. Amen. No matter what situation in life, don't get ahead of God. You could be doing the right thing at the wrong time. You say, well, God spoke to me to do the X, Y, and Z. But he didn't say do it now. You've got to wait upon the Lord. And it's not always easy to wait upon the Lord, to trust him. I, all I can say is my, from my personal experiences and things I've gone through in life. When I first felt the call to pastor here in Lathrop, I, I knew that it was God wanting me to come out here. But I didn't immediately get up and go. I said, God, in your timing, you confirm it. And I prayed and I fasted and I sought God and I wept and cried. And I said, God, if it's your will, you'll speak to my man of God and he'll talk to me about it. And sure enough, a few months went by and I got the the call from my pastor, Pastor Shumate. And he asked me the same question that the Lord asked me. What about Lathrop? And the tears began to come in that moment. As I knew God was confirming his word. And even then it wasn't time to move forward. But the, my pastor gave me instructions how you prepare for the next uh, phase of your life. And I, I went to, through a series of classes uh, for my uh, uh, master's in leader, Christian leadership. And I began preparing a little bit more and more and more and more until that moment when the, my pastor said, okay, that's time. Now you move forward. And God has confirmed it over and over in my life. But if I would have said, well, God spoke to me, so I'm going to do it right now. 
I don't care what anybody says. I got a word from the Lord. God will confirm his word and God will speak to you. Amen. Uh, the, the, writer in, I, the, the writer Isaiah, he begins to speak and he says that the everlasting God. Amen. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God. Amen. The God who has, he begins to give the reader a, a framework of thinking about how to approach their current condition and situation. And he begins to remind them that it is, we're talking about the everlasting God. The God who has existed from throughout eternity, unlike the idols of the pagans. And if he was from eternity, he would continue to be unchangeable. And his purpose is they cannot fail. Hallelujah. You and I are here for but a mere 70, 80 years if we're blessed enough if the Lord tarries. Amen. And when we're gone and buried six feet under in the grave, amen, he'll continue to be God. And it's just a short time here on earth. Amen. But the God that I'm connected to is an everlasting God. He is a God that exists outside of time. He is a God that is everlasting. He is a God that is eternal. And when I seek up with Him, and I say, God, you have that bird's eye view of my life. You've got that nine, that 30,000 foot view of my life, if you will. You see the end from the beginning, God. What do I do and when do I do it, God? God, I'll trust in you. I'll wait upon the Lord. I want your perfect will for my life. Amen. The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not. He's not fatigued. He's not exhausted. Amen. That God who has formed and sustained all things is not exhausted in his powers, but is able still to defend and to guard his people. Amen. There is no searching of his understanding. The God who made all things is infinitely wise. And it is impossible for our finite minds to fully and adequately search out all of the wisdom and skill of the Creator. Amen. In my small, finite mind, in my little brain, here in my skull, amen, if I read all the books in this world and I talk to Him for all of the days of my life, I still could not exhaust and search out all of His understanding. I still could not begin to touch the surface of the all-powerful, eternal God. Hallelujah. So what do I do? I trust Him. I wait upon Him. I say, God, lead me and guide me. Man can only see a part, a small part, while the vast ocean, the boundless deep of His wisdom lies still unexplored. Amen. God allows you and I to see small excerpts, if you will, of His greatness, uh, but never fully reveals all of himself. Amen. He, he allows you to see little bits and pieces. And he says, for the in-between stuff, I want you to trust me. I want you to live by faith. Walk by faith and not by sight. Hallelujah. Amen. When I don't see the, the bridge from here to there, and God says, go forward. Amen. God, I'll take a step of faith. And I'll trust in you, God. And if 
just say, stop, I'll stop. And I'll wait upon the Lord. Hallelujah. Verse number 30 says that even the youth shall faint. And the design here is to contrast the most vigorous of the human race with God. And to show that while all their powers fail, the power of God is unexhausted and is inexhaustible. Amen. You could contrast the Lord with any strong man or strong woman of this earth, the most wisest on the planet, and still they would not compare, amen, to the greatness of our God. They would still not compare to the greatness of our God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So it's oftentimes the human, the fleshly part of us. It says, well, it's, it's not going fast enough. It's not going the right way. And I would caution you to pause and consider your words. When you start telling the Lord, it's not going the right way. When if your life has been fully surrendered and submitted to his hands, and you think it's not going the right way. God says, it's going the right way. You're in that process where I'm purifying you and I'm working on you. It's not easy going through trials. It's not easy going through storms or situations in life. Oftentimes we want out. Say, God, take me out of this. God, I want to go through this. But God says, no, you stay there in that trial. You don't get ahead of me. I'm working on your character. I'm working on your faith. I'm working on your heart. I'm I'm getting you where you need to be. Verse 31 talks about they that wait upon the Lord. And the waiting does not imply inactivity. The farmer who should wait for God to plow and sow his fields would not only be disappointed, but would also be guilty of provoking the Lord. And so the man who waits for God to do what he ought to do, to save him without using any of uh, the means of grace, will not only be disappointed, but will provoke his displeasure. There's things that you and I ought to do in the waiting. There's a song we just sing a few years ago about in the waiting. He's in the waiting. I forget exactly how it goes. But in that waiting period of life is when you stay busy working and preparing. As the farmer waits for the harvest, he continues to water. He continues to work on his equipment. Make sure everything's ready to go. He's, he's preparing himself. He's putting budgets in place and he's putting processes in place because when the harvest comes, he's going to be ready. See, well, the, the farmer, they, they, they just work a little bit of the year and the rest of the year they, they kick back and chill. No, they're working all the time. They're preparing. And while they're waiting for the harvest, they're staying busy. Amen. They're, they're not sitting back waiting for somebody else to, to plow their fields and to work the, the harvest. We mentioned it from the beginning. A waiter in a restaurant, uh, they serve while they wait upon you. 
So if you're here today, you say, well, I'm waiting upon the Lord for an answer or, or a situation to come to pass. Get involved and serve God. Right. If you're waiting for a spouse, get involved and, and find areas to be involved in in church. They shall renew their strength. The Hebrew word commonly means to change or to alter and then to revive, to renew, to cause, to flourish again. And here it is evidently used in the sense of renewing or causing to revive, to increase and to restore that which is decayed. It means that the people of God who trust in him shall become strong in faith, able to contend with their spiritual foes, and to gain the victory over their sins. Amen. And to meet and be ready for the trials of life. God gives them strength. God renews their strength. Amen. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Amen. Well, I'm waiting for the answer to come to pass in my life. While I'm waiting for God to show himself strong in my life, I'll find a place of prayer and consecration with the Lord. I'll find and I'll make a habit and a pattern of being faithful and timely to the house of God. And I'll do everything that I know to do. And I'll stay busy working for the Lord and working on my relationship with God. And God will renew my strength. He'll renew my mind. He'll help me today. I'm closing here with this today. I began thinking about different things that require waiting and patience. There is that creature, there I say of the animal kingdom, it's called a caterpillar. Probably know where I'm going already. That caterpillar, that ugly creature, I don't know how many, 20 legs or something. You didn't want to smash those things, you just look ugly. Brother Nate would probably pick it up and gently put it on the side. They, they're born butterflies, but they're not butterflies. They're born, and they look, they are caterpillars. And they go through a process of changing or having that process of metamorphosis, if you will. It's a transformation when they begin to emit this chemical in which it covers their body into a cocoon. They may hang under a branch or under a leaf while this process takes place. And some people think of cocoons and the caterpillar as when the caterpillar is in the cocoon, it just rests and does nothing. It just, it just goes to sleep and things are happening. But it's actually on the contrary. When that caterpillar produces that cocoon that wraps itself, there's actually no resting that is going on inside the cocoon. And to the contrary, there's a lot of activity. Inside the cocoon and the chrysalis, that caterpillar is literally, physically being transformed into a new creature. This requires that the old caterpillar body be broken down. 
and turned into something new. It's like an insect recycling itself. Inside a chrysalis or the cocoon, a, a caterpillar's body actually digests itself from the inside out. And the same juices is used, it the same juices it used to digest food as a larva is now used to break down its own body. The fluid breaks down the old caterpillar body into cells called imaginal cells. Imaginal cells are undifferentiated cells, which means they can become any type of cell. Many of these imaginal cells are used to form the new body. The process of transformation within the chrysalis is known as holometabolism. And although it varies by species, the whole process usually takes about two weeks. In some species, though, the process can take months if they stay inside the chrysalis to survive cold winter weather. Insects that spin cocoons must eventually escape from them to complete their transformation. Some escape by cutting their way out from the inside and others may secrete fluids that soften the cocoon and make it easier to escape. In that cocoon process, in that cocoon phase of a caterpillar's life, it is being transformed. It is Covered from the outside world, there's that protective layer uh, around that caterpillar. And there's lots of things that are going on on the inside. Because when it's time for the cocoon to be broken, to be pulled apart, the uh, caterpillar now has wings and it's got a different body structure and now it can begin to uh, it can begin to stretch its wings and and the blood can begin to flow through those wings and and there there's a process that is happening in that cocoon and I know it's maybe to you a simplistic example of transformation, but there is a process in a person's life when you've got to surround yourself and just simply wrap yourself in prayer. You've got to surround yourself with the things of God and say, God, I'm going to get down to an old-fashioned altar of consecration. And on the inside of me, Lord, the outside might look a little bit the same for a moment. But God, on the inside, you've got to work on my heart. You've got to work on my mind. I refuse to be the same that I always was. I don't want to walk the same anymore. I don't want to talk the same. I don't want to look the same. I don't want to think the same. God, work on me. Work on me. Work on my life. Work on my life. If you ever want to be what God's called you to be, you've got to get alone with God in prayer. And you've got to as Jacob did with the angel, allow Tarassi to the ground. Allow God to change your identity. Allow God to work on those rough edges of your life and strip away all the excess and strip away all the entrapments of the world. God, just work on my life. Here I am, God. Maybe it, maybe it feels like a cocoon. Maybe it feels like uh, everything is just falling apart. Maybe it feels like things are just so... Uh, so much up in the air and you don't know what's going on. But if you'll find a place to pray and you'll find a place to get along with God and you'll say, God, work on my heart.
when I come through this trial, I'll not look the same, but I'll be that vessel of honor. Nobody likes going through the trial. Because just like that caterpillar, you're being broke down. God is breaking you down. And your will's being broken. The hard part about an altar is it's at the altar where you and I are broke down. And God takes you and breaks you. He says, let me make you the way that I want you to be. Let me wrap you under the shadow of my wings. Stay close to me for a while. Let me work you over. Let me change you. Let me work on your character. Let me work on your mind. Let me work on your appearance. Let me work on your speech. Let me work on your attitude. Let me work on your heart. It is a breaking down process in the waiting. It's a process of being broke down. There's a, a song that I heard sung. It was actually penned by the uh, by the late, or not, not late, I shouldn't say that, by, by the elder Von Morton about how that God is the one that, the only one that can unfold the rose. And Brother Timothy Spell made it to a song and began to sing when God unfolds a rose. He always gets it right. Amen. You can take a rose that's closed up and if you try to open it the way that you think, you'll just tear it apart and you'll destroy that rose. But if God unfolds it in his time, in his manner, it is something of beauty. But the process of waiting for a rose to unfold is a process of waiting. The interesting thing is I, as we stand to our feet here today, I begin to look up this process. And there actually was a very interesting article written by a lady that said she figured out how to open a rose. Manually. Well, that's interesting. She said, if you hold the rose with your least dominant hand, for me it'd be my left hand, and with your dominant hand, which would be my right, you place your thumb into the outer petals of the bud, and you begin to spin the stem of the rose in one direction, and use your thumb and index finger to unfurl the petals. She said, you want to bend them outwards as you turn. Be gentle, yet firm. You don't want to break your petals, but you do want to give it a little force to bend them backwards. I thought, oftentimes that's how it feels as God produces something of beauty in our lives. It's the world spinning around. There's the fingerprints of God upon our lives. And there's pressure that's exerted. 
And it's gentle, but it's firm. As God puts his hand upon your life and begins to spin it. And you feel like you're being bent backwards. And God, I didn't know I could do this. And God says, stay in my hands. Let me work on your life. Let me work on your heart. You work on your character. It's not a fun process. This is not a typical Sunday morning message today. But God has got you and I where he wants us here this morning. He's got you and I right where he wants us this morning. Help us, Holy Ghost, right now. God's got his fingerprints upon your life. God has ordered your steps. We sang it a moment ago. He's ordering your steps. You've got to wait. Don't get ahead of God. Don't get ahead of God. Let God put his thumb on you. Let God spin your world. Let God break you down. Let him work on you. And when people say things and you don't like it, God, work on my heart. Work on my life. Work on me. And when the process and the speed of life is not as fast as you think it ought to be, or going the direction you think it ought to be going, and you feel like you're being destroyed, you feel like you're being broke down, and you feel like you're being bent backwards, and everything's spinning around, and you don't know what's happening, wait upon the Lord. Let God work on your life. Let God put his thumb upon you. Let God spin your life a little bit. Let God work on you. Amen. I want us to lift our hands in this place today. I want us to talk to the Lord right now. I want us just to say, God, I'll be whatever you want me to be. I'll be, God, whatever you want me to be. I'll do what you call me to do, God. I'll not preempt you, God, from moving in my life. I'll not get out in front of you, God. I'll not shortcut the process of God. If you try to pull the pedals back by yourself, they'll fall apart. But if you say, God, just put your thumb on my life. Go ahead and spin my world around, God. Give me proper perspective. And gently but firmly, God, would you allow, I want to allow your hand to work in my life. It's gentle but firm. You're not going to change the mind of God today. You can destroy what God is doing by saying, take me out of this process. Or I'm gonna get I'm gonna change. I'm gonna change locations. I'm gonna I'm gonna move ahead of God. It will not fix the problem. And you will not see the fulfillment of God's promises upon your life. But if you say God in your time, go ahead and open the door in your time, God. Go ahead and work on my life. Work on my heart. Work on my heart. Come on, I need somebody to be open and honest with the Lord this morning. In the name of Jesus.
Lord, for your will. I pray right now, Lord, you would speak, Lord, to your church. I pray, God, that you would speak to your people today, Lord. Come on, would you lift your hands all across this house? God, I will be what you call me to be, Lord. God, I'm going to go ahead and let this preacher preach to me. I'm going to go and let this preacher preach me to my way to heaven. I'm going to go ahead and let God work on my life. And even when it seems like it's self-destructive, if I stay in the will of God and I die, allow God to work in my life, I believe there'll be that beautiful butterfly that spreads its wings. There'll be that beautiful rose of my life. As God works on me, as He works upon me, as He works on me, Lord, in the name of Jesus.